So, you know, they've not confirmed that these are Earhart's and Noonan's bones, and it, it seems unlikely to me that they ever will, but it, it no longer is used as a reason to rule them out, like to rule it out, because mm-hmm. we no longer are saying, you know, it's a five five foot five male. There is potential that it could be their bones. Yes. Um, and I'm immature enough to think that sexing bones is hilarious. <laughs> I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. I'm Eliza, and I need you to listen to me. Have you ever felt so much that you don't know where to put it all, and you wonder if anyone would notice if you screamed? Because you want to. Scream for the ones they've hurt, the ones they've taken. Scream for yourself. These are my words, my story from my perspective. Because I know you'll hear other versions. Because I want you to have a chance to believe mine. Or at least hear it. If you're getting this, it's already over. But if one of you listens, really listens, it won't be for nothing. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. Today's episode is the second part of our two-part episode on the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. If you've not listened to the first part yet, go back to episode 21 and listen to that one first. Or else. In episode 21, we briefly covered Amelia Earhart's background, as well as what we consider to be one of the most credible hypotheses for her disappearance. In this episode, we will discuss some of the other, less popular hypotheses. And it's unclear if they're less popular or just less popular for us. Yeah, I think they might just be less popular for us. (laughs) I think they might actually be more more popular. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. We're just fucking assholes. <laughs> um, okay. Before we get to our discussion, though, it is time to do something spooky. Um, so, Paige, did anything spooky happen to you in the last two weeks? No. Per usual, nothing spooky is happening to me. Great. Great. This, this segment has sort of gone downhill. Yeah. We can. We, we maybe need to find something else to put here. We might need to <laughs> re- rename it. Alternatively, if any listeners want to hunt us down and start punking us with spooky stuff, that would be an option. It really should just be, it really should be renamed Random Shit Paige and Megan Want to Say that are unrelated to the topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but excitingly enough, I am currently staring at the back of Paige's head from 10 feet away. Eight feet away, some distance away, um, because we are actually together this weekend. So this is the first time that we have gotten to record an episode together in the same room, and it's a little anticlimactic because we have no fucking idea what we're doing in terms of microphone setup, and we can't face each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting, though. I'll say so. I had previously turned the camera on because if I turn the camera on. 
Megan's behind me so I can see her. And then I was like, this is silly. I'm turning it off. Uh, but now I'm wishing that actually I had kept it on because I'm feeling very weird that she can see me and I can't see her. Yeah. Uh, now it's just spooky. This is your something spooky. Yeah, this is my something spooky. I can spooky. see you. <laughs> Megan you can see, see me. me talk with my hands and like shake my head at her while she's talking. And I have no clue what she's doing behind me. You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. You should have left it on. I could have made faces at you while I know, you were but it talking. won't let me turn it back on now. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> You did it! You I did, did it! it. <laughs> uh, yes. And to anyone who is concerned, we have been very safe re-coronavirus issues. Like, I get tested a lot. Nobody is sick. So we felt comfortable with the amount of risk to be a little pod this weekend. So, nobody come for us on that front. <laughs> okay. So let's jump back into Amelia Earhart. I once again was less excited than I should have been for recording (laughs) Amelia Earhart stuff, but I'm back to being excited after reviewing the notes and doing some editing on the previous Amelia Earhart episode. And I'm also like very excited. This is not related to Amelia Earhart, but I realized just now that the very first Spooky Science Sisters episode that we ever recorded, I sat out here in this very spot on this very couch to do it. So even if the sound is like really shitty or a little bit shitty because we are unsure of the correct mic settings for being in the same room, it cannot be worse than the first episode. (laughs) 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 Because that was pretty fucking terrible. Okay. <laughs> We've come a long way. We have. So proud. So far, <laughs> like Paige said, we have covered one of the main hypotheses about Amelia Earhart's disappearance, which is that she and Noonan ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean. And there are some very deep parts of the ocean near the area where they were headed, which is Howland Island. And they just eventually drowned so that's it so the next theory which is like i guess the only other one that i think holds any water in terms of potentially being something that could have happened is that they crashed near um or near or on this nikimororo island and they were castaways for a time so uh page you can Take it from here and tell us all about that. Based off of the research that I did, this seems to be the most researched theory of all of them. Even the one that we had talked about um, last time with, you know, with there being a a crash. It's it's, a lot of people think that's what happened, um, but it doesn't seem like there's been a ton of effort put into really confirming whether or not there's a plane somewhere in the water whether they crashed (laughs) Um, where like there seems to be a lot of work that's been put into trying to find either remains plane remains or like remains of their bodies or anything yeah there just to interrupt you for a second there was that one survey that was done near howland island and i forget who did it because it's been a while since we recorded part one 
But there was that one survey where they were like just scanning the seafloor to see yeah. if they could find the plane remains. But, but that's yeah, like you're... really all they did, I believe, right? That's like the only one. Yes. Yeah. And the guy was basically like, yeah, we didn't find anything. But like that just means it's not where we looked. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Or like we know where not to look next time. So anyway. So there's like a ton of like circumstantial evidence around this castaway theory. A lot of things that they think they have found to, you know, as evidence that they were castaways and that they had lived there for a period of time. Uh, but we're really only going to talk about a couple of big things. Um, and the first thing that we'll talk about is, is it tiger? Is it? I think it's, I think the acronym is so they can pronounce it tiger. Tiger. Yeah. Okay. And we had talked about this group, I think on the first episode, very briefly, I think Megan, you had kind of introduced them. Yeah, I can't remember if I even said which group it was. So we, we'll we do the whole name. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the International Group for Aircraft Recovery. And they have got, they have collected a ton of data on Earhart's disappearance. And if you go to their website, they have like loads of information. Uh, and they've published far more information than either of us are, you know, probably ever going to have the time to, to really go through. But uh, I did go through some of it, and I believe Megan did a little bit too. And on their site, there is a map of the flight path that they believe that Earhart and Noonan took and how it differs from the original flight path, the flight path that they had intended on taking. Basically, they believe that Earhart started deviating from the original path slightly, which meant that they didn't go far enough north to Howland Island. And... According to that, their flight path on their website, they think that she traveled north for a little bit to try to find the island, and then when she couldn't find it, turned around and kind of headed back towards south or headed back south, land which would have landed them near this Nigumararo Island. And we talked a little bit on the last episode about how it would have been very easy getting lost trying to find Holland Island. It's a very small island and a very large body of water. And this to me, you know, makes sense. She could have possibly headed north, couldn't find the island, was lost, thought maybe she had passed it and it was south somewhere that they never even saw it and it was south. So it turned around and went back. Uh, it also aligns with some of Earhart's last communications that she had with the Coast Guard uh, saying at points that she was traveling north and then also mentioning that she had traveled south a period of time. Yes. Yeah, so if you listen to the last episode, you'll remember that she was communicating with this Coast Guard ship, the Itasca, who is waiting for her near Howland Island and who is supposed to help her navigate that final stretch of the trip in order to get there. And she was radioing in that, you know, she couldn't find them and that fuel was getting low. And those are some of the last kind of confirmed or what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> The last messages that are like definitely accepted to be from her are are received by the Itasca. Confirmed would have worked, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you'll remember that like navigating and communicating was all very different from the way that it is today with long distance travel. So this was like, I mean, it was difficult. It was not an easy thing to do. And I mentioned this last time, but I didn't, I don't, I can't remember if I read any of the specific ones. Here's what happens when we record part one, like several weeks ago. And now <laughs> part later. I think I read some of them, but anyway, so there are these stories, if you'll remember of radio transmissions 
that were heard by shortwave radio operators and thought to have come from Amelia Earhart that are heard as late as July 18th. So like up to like two weeks after her disappearance. And I think a thing on the Tiger website said they maybe got things up to like six days after that the Tiger group thinks are our official um, Amelia Earhart radio transmissions. So this led some people, including notably Amelia Earhart's husband, to think that she had come down on land because the way that those radio batteries worked, they were located on the wings of the plane. And if they were exposed to water, then the radio batteries wouldn't be able to function. So they're like, well, if they're sending these messages, they had to have been above water and potentially on land. So uh, one of these messages is heard on July 5th by the U.S. Navy in Honolulu. And this is in like a sort of garbled Morse code, which I guess would make sense because they said that neither Earhart or Noonan knew Morse code very well. So it might make sense that their messages would come in like kind of funky. And it's like they did, they knew it. They just weren't like, I don't know, fluent isn't maybe the right word, but like they didn't know it well, right? Yeah. (laughs) They they had an idea of like, they had some understanding of Morse code, correct? Yes. Yeah. They had some understanding. They could like identify letters, but like, yeah, like they weren't fluent. They couldn't do it quickly. Gotcha. So that would match with that. But that message is 281 North Howland, call K-H-A-Q-Q, beyond north, won't hold us much longer, above water, shut off. And so K-H-A-Q-Q, if you'll remember, was her call sign. So, you know, if that's a real message from her, then it sort of sounds like, you know, the plane is above water. But they're not going to be able, it's not going to be much longer and, you know, things are about to, to shut off. So this is one of the last messages that they can send. There are some amateur shortwave radio operators who also get messages. So one in Ashland, Kentucky, claims that uh, they heard a transmission that said that Earhart was down in ocean and on or near a little island. So... Again, like these are all things that make people think they're castaways somewhere. Like they've made it to a different island, and this Nikumoro Island is a likely target if that was the case. But I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. And like, I do agree. I mean, I, obviously, like, I, they crashed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we talked about this last episode. Regardless of what the end result was of that crash, they definitely crashed. Mm-hmm. And, like, I do think that just crashing and, and just kind of dying with that crash is the e- probably the easiest explanation. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I, I feel like this – I feel like the castaway theory, I can buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, importantly, I think we talked last time, like, either way, whether it was on land or in the ocean, they crashed they the plane. They crashed that plane. And, like, eventually they died. And that was, like, either they, like, drowned and went down with the plane or shortly after, or, you know, they were castaways for some time. I think the castaway thing is just, like, I don't know. I just feel like some of that is like becomes wishful thinking like people just don't want to believe that she just 
crashed into the ocean and like was just that was just it like they want to believe that you know she made it to land and like she survived as a castaway for like I don't know forever (laughs) (laughs) I don't know and I and maybe that's difficult because also like surviving as a castaway would be like pretty fucking shitty as well (laughs) right yeah that seems like that's I would prefer to just die (laughs) yeah it's like ah rather just like take the quicker way than like starve to death or get injured in some horrible way on like some remote island but sure whatever so yeah but they did find some evidence or what they claim they 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 think is some evidence oh and one last thing about those radio messages is again like the official investigation and like even to today i think the navy or whoever like they don't recognize those radio messages past the last one that the Atasca received as official Amelia Earhart messages. And they were, I forget the reasoning as to like why they were officially dismissed, but this tiger group has gone back and looked at these more closely. And now they say like, no, these are, these are real messages. These are coming from credible sources. So yeah. So like that is, yeah. That's a tricky one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but other evidence on the island. Go. Yeah, so um, there were bones found on the island, which to me initially this was like, okay, there are bones, right? There's bones on every island. Uh, (laughs) Bone? Bone? Um, That's a little phasmophobia uh, (laughs) Easter egg for you guys. (laughs) But in 1940, there were bones found on the island, and they were analyzed by Dr. D.W. Hoodless, uh, which, like, that's just, like, the coolest last name. Uh. (laughs) who was the principal of the Central Medical School in Fiji. And he concluded that the bones belonged to a five foot, five and a half tall female. Amelia Earhart was about five foot, eight inches, and Noonan was over six feet tall. So at that time, the bones were really ruled out as being either of theirs. However, in 1972, forensic anthropologists changed their work practices when it came to classifying skeletons. And there's like, there was a decent amount of literature around this, but like, I just felt like that was like a whole different rabbit hole I could have gone down. <laughs> so we're just going to stick to like, they did change the way that they were sex, the science of sexing bones. Mm-hmm quite a bit since the 40s, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> and because of that, they've gone on to say that the previous practices that Hoodless have, had used were likely inaccurate. This is no fault of his own. It's just that, you know, things have changed a lot since the 40s and the way that we study things have changed. So, you know, they've not confirmed that these are Earhart's and Noonan's bones, and it, it seems unlikely to me that they ever will. But it no longer is used as a reason to rule them out, like to rule it out because mm-hmm. we no longer are saying, you know, it's a five five foot five male. There is potential that it could be their bones. Yes. Um, and I'm immature enough to think that sexing bones is hilarious. But- <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> so the only comment that I had about that was – and you didn't touch on this, but 
some of the stuff about the bones that they found and, you know, what height are they? Are they male or female? Some of them like specifically say like, oh, they were of a Caucasian or a white woman. And so I sort of dismiss a lot of that because it just starts to smack of like eugenic stuff. Like, that is yeah so i don't know so i don't know how much i trust that i feel like this is a place where it's like we need you rebecca and or sarah (laughs) tell us about bones (laughs) so then and we definitely like briefly touched on this last episode just kind of as a teaser that we were going to talk about it in this episode uh but robert ballard so he He is the same ocean explorer who discovered the Titanic wreck, and he led a team for two weeks to to try to find the Earhart plane, and that started in August of 2019. Um, So he gets involved when Kurt Campbell, who is a senior official on President Barack Obama's State Department, showed him a picture known as the Bevington image. And the Bevington image is a blurry photo taken by a British officer at the island in 1940. And when focused in, supposedly looks like a photo of Earhart's landing gear. Uh, And I'm just here to say that that is the dumbest shit that I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. Like, come on. Like, they're like, when focused in. Okay, let me... Let me paint a picture for you. So <laughs> so this is a picture that's taken by this, like she said, this naval officer whose name is Eric Bevington. He takes it in, um, oh, this is in 1940, but I had read 1937. But like either way, it's after Earhart and Noonan disappear. And what it shows is this shipwreck of a ship called the Norwich City that had shipwrecked on a coral reef in 1929 so he's like he's just taking a picture of the shipwreck and i guess like there's still pieces of it there so that's pretty cool but like if you look at this photo like (laughs) it's a fucking wide shot with like the horizon you can see part of the island you can see the shipwreck like off in the distance a far away and then there's this little smudge like midway up the photo that's a little bit dark and like come on you zoom in on it and it's just like <laughs> it's a piece of fuzz that was on the camera lens or some shit like are you fucking serious it's like if someone showed me a photo you know take the ship out of it but like mm-hmm. if someone showed me a photo like this i would think it was like a buoy i wouldn't just you know what i mean yeah like or like a per like maybe a person but i'm not or just like a rock or like I don't know. Right. Once you zoom in, it's like Yeah. We'll we'll share the photos because <laughs> like you just you have to see that see them. And they're like, oh, we unblurred it. We we focused it in. And it's like this isn't fucking CSI where they like refocus the license plates and you like perfectly see the numbers right. like there's no amount of refocusing that that's gonna convince me that that's, that's landing landing gear. gear for a plane you've got to be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> i think that's the most ridiculous piece of evidence for this maybe if somebody knows something more about camera technology then and like whether or not we possess some sort of technology to like actually unblur that photo but like no fucking way 
Well, it was clearly enough to get him interested in it somehow. Anyway, <laughs> this has really taken my thoughts about Robert Ballard like down a few notches. Like, are you serious? <laughs> So he sees this ridiculous photo and for for whatever reason, maybe there's more to the story. He gets excited and he, I mean, here's the thing. Photo aside, like how is he not already interested in this story? Right. You know, so like maybe there's more to it, but whatever. Sees the photo, decides he's going to go ahead and, and, and spend a couple weeks out there in Nikumararo Island and see if maybe they can find a plane, find something. Here's the real deal. This guy was just like, hmm. I like really want an excuse to just like spend two weeks in the tropics, like hanging out on beaches and boats. And he was like, this is it. This is my ticket. <laughs> so him and his crew and then some National Geographic anthropologists set to the island in August, like I said, of 2019. Um, and so first, the first thing they do is they send the ship around the island five times to create a map using a multi-beam sonar developed what am i saying to develop a deployed what am i oh my (laughs) god the word is deployed um not developed even though i've read it developed four different times (laughs) (laughs) basically they're just trying to map the shallow areas of the island shores great um yeah because i don't know how to say the word deploy so we're gonna just skip it great um (laughs) and then sent four drones to get additional inspection of the surrounding reefs they also sent some robots with spotlights and high def cameras into deeper water around the island uh where they came up with nothing they <laughs> exactly <laughs> they focus a lot of their attention on the area the island where the bevington photo was taken so like clearly this photo does have like some sort of influence on him because that's where he tends seems to focus a lot of his attention yeah and they said during that that they find a lot of rocks that matched the shape and size of supposed landing gear from the bevington photo yeah so it's a fucking rock <laughs> yeah i had read somewhere that they were like that like the crew members just started making fun of it like how many rocks they had found they're like oh there's another piece of the plane and like <laughs> just started like joking around about it uh, yeah this is just like a i don't know i'm i'm being really mean but i've had a drink um <laughs> so this is just like an example of like more money than sense i think <laughs> Anyway, go. So then I took a quote from a New York Times article, and it says, The crew mapped the mountain's underwater drainage patterns and searched the gullies that might have carried plane fragments down slope to a depth of 8,500 feet. Crew members even searched roughly four nautical miles out to sea in case the plane lifted off of the reef intact and glided underwater as it sank. And, like, they didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. So they leave two months later, which, like, I think I maybe – I think it's two weeks. Did I say two months or two weeks earlier? I think you said two weeks. Okay. So they don't find anything. They leave. The only thing that I did see that, like, I I read that they had done, but, like, I didn't see any – like for like follow up on it mm-hmm. was that there were some soil samples taken from the island to be tested for DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read anything more about that, Megan? I think I saw something mentioned about it, but I was just like immediately like seriously like there's gonna be like <laughs> no intact like 
DNA evidence that's 80 years old that like you got from a beach. No, that's stupid. Unless they're still alive. It would be so degraded. Yeah. Like, yeah, fucking right. No, that's dumb. That's That's not the thing. I don't think so. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, for the most part, this doesn't look great for the castaway theory. I would like to mention, though, that um, apparently several times it was two months. I said two weeks initially. Just only only half believe the things I'm saying, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So during the two months... When morale would get low, Ballard would constantly remind the team. Well, I'm like literally looking at another article right now, and it says two weeks. So it was two weeks. <laughs> oh my god! Just every t- two weeks, people. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two I weeks. was right the first time. I should have believed. I should have trusted myself. <laughs> so when morale would get low, um, Ballard would remind his team that one of the missions that it took took them to find the Titanic's. Oh my god. The Titanic. <laughs> um they missed the ship by only 500 feet, which is crazy to me, but also you know, it could mean that like maybe the ship is or the plane is out there and you know, they're just like barely missing it. It is possible. Yeah. Well, and like we said before, it's a small plane. Exactly. Let's go. Like it's not the fucking Titanic which is a very large ocean liner that they like had coordinates for <laughs> where <it> sank. <laughs> so yeah, so it's you know, it's crazy that it took them so long to find the Titanic, although admittedly they were like waiting for the technology to be right and like probably also the money. But yeah, like Amelia Earhart's plane was so much smaller, like I just think <sighs> I don't know. I I just think it's silly because why are we still spending all this money and time on this like there are so many other things i'm i'm in a mood um there are so many other things where like money like that could be spent for better purposes so you know yeah but like what are we doing right now i mean i know we're not spending money on it but like we're spending time but like people are still interested in it well i know i mean yes i think that there are probably areas we could be spending this money that aren't just like I know ways. <laughs> Though, like she has family. Our <laughs> podcast about this, but also this is a waste of fucking time. And <laughs> to be fair, though, I'm not alone because I remember <laughs> the stuff about the original search that was mounted and like was basically not spearheaded, but like the president at the time when she disappeared was like we gotta find her and people were pissed about it then because he spent a fuck ton of money looking for her and they were like uh i think there are better things we could spend this money on right now (laughs) (laughs) anyway and here we are here we are (laughs) how many years later still looking hey we are here to bring the practical realistic side of things i feel no shame (laughs) so yeah the only other note i was gonna make or the only thing i was gonna say is that like like we talked about in the last episode we still haven't found malaysia flight 370 yeah that's a whole ass giant plane that we like have 
all this different information on right at the time that you know it took off and exactly where it was when it lost radio contact no idea we've like maybe found some wreckage from it but that is it so i don't know i'm not i'm not convinced that they couldn't have been castaways for a period of time um but I mean, a lot of people kind of still tend to point the finger towards like they just crashed and died somewhere. Um, There's an interview on the Chasing Earhart website by a woman named Dana Timmer. And she basically says that like, you know, we've been searching for 30 years at this island and like we've not found her. Uh, We believe she's probably at Holland Island. Like that's probably where she's at. So. I don't know why I told you that because we already said that like a million times, but that's what I'm telling it's you. It's fine. So. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, yeah. I do we know how early? Because they searched like the a huge area around Howland Island. Like, did they? They looked at Nikamoro like shortly after she disappeared, right? I don't remember. I didn't think so. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, because I'm just saying, like, if they did, I don't know. Did they look? I didn't think they had. I thought this, I thought looking there was like a more recent thing. And I'm, I thought, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I am thinking of a different theory, maybe. I think I'm getting some of the theories confused, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I didn't think they had looked. I don't remember reading anything that had stated that they, they went like shortly after their disappearance. They may have. I just, I don't remember reading anything about it. Got it. Well, it's like, I I don't know. I just sort of think like that people just like want to believe that she made it somewhere. (laughs) That's a good point though. Like even if they didn't go there, that would make me think that at the time there wasn't any question about them being in Nicomararo. So like why all of a sudden... Like yeah. if they would if they would have thought they were there and still alive, that would have been the first place they would have looked. Right. So either they looked and they weren't there, or they didn't look because they didn't think they were there. Right. And I guess it's not that long after that that like World War II breaks out and stuff. So maybe they were like, by the time they thought, like, what if they landed at this other island? <laughs> like it was like, well shit, we can't go check now. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like we should know. But we don't know. All right. So the next one we're going to talk about is that they were taken prisoner by the Japanese. So this whole theory started because of a photo that was taken. Um, It's presumed by a U.S. spy. But, like, I don't think they really even know for sure who took the photo. And I didn't – I don't know what year it was taken. Did you know, Megan? No, but I think that's the – like, that was the question when they – found the photo or like started thinking that it was her they didn't really know for sure what year it was from yeah yeah you're right okay and i think the idea that she had been taken prisoner was a thing before this photo but this was like well like gain why it gained popularity yeah but this like sort of you know added evidence to that but i don't know for sure if that's that's a thing but anyway so the photo shows a group of people standing on a dock and and some boats that are surrounding that dock. On the right bottom corner, there is like a very blurry section of the photo that is claimed to be Earhart's plane. 
Of course it is. And on the gr- in the group of people, there is a woman with her back to the camera <laughs> who people claim is Earhart. Um, so my question to you, Megan, is like, which I think I'm going to know the answer to, but what are your initial thoughts about the photo? And like, what are the chances you think that this is really Amelia Earhart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you already know the answer. <laughs> We all already know this is such fucking bullshit. Like, we'll post this photo too. It's just like, seriously, like it. That woman in that photo, like, sure, maybe vaguely has the same haircut as Amelia Earhart, but like, that could be me, right? That could be literally anybody. Like, you can't tell what her ethnicity is. Like, you can't tell how old she is. You can't tell anybody. Like that. It's it's nothing and like the man's face is like totally in shadow so yeah it's stupid i mean like i wrote in the notes people think elvis is in home alone like and think that he's like showed up other places like elvis is really alive but yeah like kenny kenny biddle did like a debunking on the home alone appearance Mm -hmm. so yeah i bet he would be a good person to take a look at this and like figure out who the heck that person actually is. Yeah, please, uh, Kenny, if you have thoughts, which I'm sure you will, uh, please share those. Yes. Well, and here's the thing too, is I think that and it's like very possible that I'm mixing up like various other stories, but I think the Japanese, I had heard that the Japanese like helped out with the search for her. I think I had read the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, they'd have to be like, there's no way that they were like, oh, we captured her. But like, right. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, we'll help you look for her. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there was like. I'm going to be thinking of a different thing. I'm getting like, I'm, I'm starting to confuse all the different theories. This is what happens when I wrote my notes like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like, wasn't this like a totally different topic that somebody. Oh, no, you and I are, I'm talking about, I'm confusing myself about a different thing. Okay. But I don't know. Who are we talking about? What we were talking about when we were saying like, oh, they helped look for. Oh, that's Dyatlov Pass. It's fine. I don't even know the difference between the Russians and the Japanese anymore. (laughs) You guys, I can't. We've had a couple drinks. It's not good. You guys. I have no idea if the Japanese helped look for her. I vaguely think that's true. But I definitely remember that like the the indigenous people at Dialif Pass helped yes. look for that group. And that, so like they were like, well, okay. Who knows? Either way, we don't believe. We're doing such a good job. We don't think this happened. Uh, no, I think this is stupid. And this is this is the point that you were making a little bit ago, Megan, and that I had totally forgotten about. Rick Gillespie is or is or was the executive director of Tiger. He makes the point that while the photo is dated, we would have to we would have to know like the exact date it was taken for it like for it even to be possible to be them. Because if it had been, you know, even in 1936 or, you know, two years later in 1938, then like obviously there would have been no way it could have been Earhart and Noonan. Um, so basically his point is that like it, this photo would have been, had to have been taken in a very narrow window of time for it even to be possible to be them. Mm-hmm. And like, we literally don't know when it was taken. So just to assume it's them is like absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. And then a Japanese history blogger ends up telling the media 
later on that he saw the exact same photo in a book that had been published in 1935, which would have been two years prior to Earhart and Noonan's disappearance. So, like, obviously it couldn't be that. Yeah, nailed it. Solved. Debunked. Debunked. Never talk to me about this photo ever again. Not not taken for (laughs) this. This and the Bevington photo. I don't want to hear anybody mention them ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're like, wow, I have a PhD in deblurring photos. And I'm like, okay, now we can have a discussion about this. But other than that, I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) All right. So <laughs> we might get some angry emails about this episode. It's fine. On to the final and like potentially the most absurd of the theories. This is the second final. We didn't take any notes about the final final one. Oh, you're right. And that one actually is more absurd yes. than this one. Um, so the almost the second to last and the second most absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, theory, which is the Irene Bolum theory. And just to be honest with you all, I did do some reading on this, but like everything I read sort of just confused me because there are so many theories and like somehow they all sort of like mix together some way. Some people say that like maybe, so the theory is basically that Amelia Earhart changed her name to Irene Bolum and like came back as Irene. Yes, to the US and like lived in New Jersey. Yeah, and, like, some people just say she changed her name. Some say that she was a prisoner of the Japanese, and when she got free, she changed her name to, like, I don't know, stay safe or, like, I don't know, if they couldn't find her. Yeah, or that she was, like, some spy. So, like, when she came back, it was some sort of, like, witness protection thing. Right. There's, like, a million – I saw, like, several different reasons as to why she would have changed her name, which to me is, like, already a red flag. Like, this is not – this didn't happen. <laughs> like this isn't a thing. Yeah. We don't even know like why she would have changed her name. But the theory is that she did change her name. Yeah. And became a new person. And lived until her eighties as yeah. Irene Bolum in New Jersey. Uh yeah. So the Tiger website, I think they they go with, or at least in, in the article that they had about a specific book on this. They go with the idea that, like, yeah, she was held captive in Japan for some time and then repatriated to the U.S. after the war. And, like, I don't know. I don't know why she would have a reason to change her name after that, but whatever. Uh, But from the Tiger website, uh, which they will link this in uh, on our website post that we always do with the sources that we uh, that we used, but they pretty much debunk this whole theory uh, based on a recent book. So I'm just going to read a quote, uh, a direct quote from them. So they say, the originator of the theory is a retired U.S. Air Force major named Joe Gervais, who, while attending a social event on Long Island in 1965, saw Mrs. Bolum and, quote, just knew that she had to be Amelia Earhart. (laughs) Neither Dervais nor his disciples accepts evidence that argues against this fundamental revelation. 
Any allegation or interpretation that fits the desired conclusion is embraced without question, while inconvenient facts are either explained away by adding additional layers of conspiracy or simply ignored. The result over the years has been the growth of a body of folklore that presents an incriminating but almost entirely fictitious case against the late Irene Bolum. So yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. Like, I think Irene was a pilot for some time, but like spent most of her life as a banker and there have been a couple different books on this so the original one came out uh who must have been one of these like disciples of gervais or whatever uh but came out uh in 1970 and was written by a man named joe Kloss. and this is called amelia Earhart lives uh and he yeah like claims that she came back in the 40s and lived out her life or lived as Irene Bolum. And but this was like published while Irene Bolum was still alive. I feel so bad for this woman. Yes. And so like he claims that like scientists, you know, analyzed photos of them, that there was this very striking resemblance. And it's like, sure. I mean, they're both like white women, so okay. Um <laughs> But, you know, later scientists say that they, like, never made an endorsement of this theory. Another book was written by a man named Colonel Reinick, uh, and this was published in 2003, so fairly recently. And I think uh, the original book, so it's, like, shocking that that Reinick, you know, publishes this this newer book because Irene Bolum sued... (laughs) Uh, McGraw-Hill, who published the original one and got money for it. They pulled the book and settled with her. And she uses, you know, all this evidence to prove like birth certificates and marriage certificates and all these people who've been like, um, we fucking knew her her whole life. She's not Amelia Earhart. (laughs) So like, I, yeah, I can't, I feel really bad for her. Like, I'd be so fucking pissed. Oh, me too. So it's, yeah. So it's just stupid. It's just like some whack job being like, this is definitely Amelia Earhart. And then like harassing this poor woman. And people just believing it. Yes. And people believing it. And it's like, it's stupid. Well, yeah. It's like basically this is just one guy's assumption and like no real. I mean, scientists have come out and basically has been like, this is absurd. This isn't a thing. Shut up. Yes. So that's us debunking that, I guess. That's us debunking that. This is stupid. Uh, And like, (laughs) you know, arguably like, you know, you could say like, oh, well, why don't, why doesn't her, like one of her family members get like DNA testing or something to compare her to like Amelia Earhart's family and prove that she isn't her. But it's like, um... That is not their fucking burden to bear. She doesn't have to prove to anybody that she's not Amelia Earhart. Just relax. Let it go. Never talk about it again. (laughs) I apparently have a lot of aggression about this. I'm really sorry, you guys. (laughs) But anybody who believes that theory sucks, so... Yeah, well, that theory is like a double whammy then. Like, if you're going with what Tiger says, like, you both believe that she was a prisoner of the Japanese and came back as to the U.S. as Irene Bolum. So, like, you you believe a lot of crazy shit. I hate it. Uh, yeah. And that is the, the last theory, which I'm sure you guys can already guess, is that Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan were taken by the aliens. Because, duh. Duh. <laughs> That's what happens to anybody who 
Can't can't explain. I think it's funny because I think in episode one I was like Paige was like we're gonna need two parts to do this this episode or this topic and yes we did need two parts but also (laughs) I think initially I thought like oh there's a lot more here than I thought but I don't know I'm like a hundred percent still they ran out of fuel they crashed in the ocean we're never gonna find that plane because it's small and the ocean is a really big place and that's really deep water and yeah anything that says otherwise like castaways or captives or whatever is just wishful thinking (laughs) i don't know i'm like 80 20 i like feel pretty sure that they probably just crashed around holland island but i think there's a small piece of me that thinks like you know they could have like maybe survived like there's enough there's like enough there for me to think that it's possible that they could have been castaways for a period. Sure. Of time. And we didn't talk about it and I forgot to mention it when we talked about the castaway theory, but like I think now they found they say that they found like some sort of like artifacts or something that basically match things that were in her in her inventory. So <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's weird because I remember reading something about this and I thought maybe I was misremembering like which theory it was mm-hmm. for maybe i just didn't make a note about it because i would swear it was the castaway theory but that like they had found like you said they had found some artifacts but like at some point they had gone to the island and looked and like they'd found stuff and said that there really hadn't been any record of anyone living there in the last like i don't know 100 years or whatever it was yeah, and I, but I don't see any notes about that, so I don't really know where those went. Maybe I just decided they weren't important. But <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick. Oh, what's the other one that like she? <laughs> I was googling this, and I just remembered the thing that there are like these really big crabs on Nikumaro Island. So like one of the ideas was like she got like crashed. And, like, got marooned on this island, but then, like, got eaten by giant crab. (laughs) But, like, maybe they just ate her body, but, like, after she was dead, but that's the thing. Anyway, uh, new artifacts. Yeah, okay, so I'm not totally crazy. So in 19... Well, I don't know anything about the objects, but it says in 1989, Tiger launched its first expedition to Nikamaroro. Basically, this is saying that, like, there was no record of anyone actually living there since 1892. Okay. So I remember seeing somewhere that like between the bones and then whatever artifacts it was that they found that it was like a little bizarre because like they realistically like nobody had been living there for such a long time that they were surprised that they had found anything. Got it. So it like it basically lends credence to the idea yeah. that there could have been castaways there because yeah. there shouldn't have been anything there right at all like especially not bones of a person yeah so of course like right while you were saying that i found the thing that said that in addition to the bones that they found they found remains of campfires u.s made items like a jackknife a woman's compact a zipper pole and glass jars so basically just like like you said like anything like sure it could just be like random ocean trash but like anything that they said that is evidence of a person being there like especially of a person from the u.s being there is weird but i still think it's stupid i don't know i'm i'm stuck here okay that's i got nothing else it's fine (laughs) okay 
Okay. I mean, okay. So I get my my remaining questions would be what can we do to verify the shortwave radio messages that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were received supposedly after she crashed because like a couple of them come from like from like military bases and stuff so it's like i feel like wh- who took those what is the deal with those although presumably the people who you know recorded them now are dead so that's going to be difficult to track down but i also just think like man like so much of this nicaragua island stuff seems to hinge on the fucking bevington photo so i think that was about the point like when i looked up the bevington photo and saw what it really was and saw the zoomed in thing of the supposed landing gear i was like no fuck this shit like this is the best piece of evidence that they've got like absolutely not i'm out i think this is dumb (laughs) so that's fair (laughs) so i don't know i just i that's why I'm so against it. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to learn more about the the radio transmissions, though, because if, like you're saying, if they had ones that came, you know, five days later or whatever, mm-hmm. then, like, they must have been alive somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So someone go figure that out for us, and then, yeah, and then we'll have some something new to talk about. All right, well... That wraps up our episode on Amelia Earhart. Tune in next time when Karen from Monster Talk and her husband Matt Baxter join us for a discussion on ghost hunting. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookySciencesisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.